Good morning. Good morning. We want to welcome each of you here at West Irwin Church of Christ and those who are live streaming. I have a few announcements. We have a baby shower honoring Christine Williams. It's today at 3 o'clock here in the Family Life Center. At 5 o'clock today, we have our singing class in room 402 in a chapel class. And with this heat wave we're experiencing, we are offering an indoor play day on Tuesday morning for the toddlers and preschool at 9 o'clock and elementary children in the afternoon until 3.30 p.m. Uh, our speaker for this Wednesday summer series at 6.30 is Brandon Starling. Our love and sympathy is extended to Grant and Leanne Knight and the family and the loss of Grant's brother, Paul, who passed away Monday night. And Paul, he grew up here at West Irwin and was the oldest son of Dr. Roger and Jan Knight. And services were held last Friday. Also, our love and sympathy is also extended to Amber Chauncey and her family and the loss of her grandfather, Perry Hall. And Perry Hall was a former minister at West Irwin Services were held last Friday. Nita Candy has asked for prayer. She's been diagnosed with stage 3B cancer. Charlotte Hopkins is in ICU at Mother Francis with pneumonia. Jim Gibson is scheduled to have an AFib ablation on Thursday, August 11th. Brian and Malvi, Dean, requested prayers for their daughter, Brianna, who is hospitalized in Fort Worth. Jeff Stiefer, aunt Pam, has cancer and scheduled for surgery on August 11th. Shirley Demon is asking prayers for her sister, Dixie Booth, who's back in the hospital, and prayers for the Wicks' grandchild, uh, one-year-old Eli Hodges, for his complicated case and possible surgery in September. And our congratulations to Cal and Joanne Wilkinson on the birth of their first great-grandchild, Navarro Allen, eight pounds, five pounds, uh, five ounces, 19 three-quarter inches long, and it's three weeks ago, born on Friday, July the 15th in Colorado, and the proud parents are Bree and Justin Moreno. And a reminder to pass out your pass your tennis cards, encouragement cards to in the, the aisles, or you can place them in the black color lock boxes located in the foyer. Now let's go to our Father in prayer. Father, we have members that are dealing with health issues and grief, and we lift these names before you now: Nita Candy, Charlotte Hopkins, Jim Gibson. Brianna Dean, Pam Giddy, Dixie Booth, and Eli Hodges. Father, our thoughts are upon the family and loved ones in the passing of Paul Knight, and also in the passing of Perry Hall for the Chauncey family. We pray for peace and comfort be upon them as they deal with their grief and loss. Father, we ask for cooler weather. We are thankful for the rain that some of us received last week, and we pray that you send rain upon this parched land and this country, and may the rain fall gently upon, upon us. Lord, we know that the world needs you. Each person who is without you is like a parched land, always thirsty in need of the living water that only you can provide. And Father, help us be the Christian light to shine so that we can bring others to you and their thirst can be satisfied in you. Father, we see and hear from people whose life is without living water. We ask you to bless us with the wisdom knowledge here at West Irwin to teach the word of truth. For, for all people are precious in your sight and through Christ, life has value purpose and hope. Father, we pray for your protection be upon our military, our law enforcement, the firemen, emergency responders, and our health care workers here and abroad whose services are crucial 
for our communities and for us feeling safe. We also pray for the governments of this world and military leaders to seek a solution to end this Ukraine situation. Father, we ask you to bless Bill Allen today in presenting the word of life in a way that each of us will be strengthened, encouraged, and for us to feel value that life, regardless of our shortcomings, and for us to value life of others, regardless of their shortcomings. For we recognize and know that Jesus died for all. Father, may our worship today be in spirit and truth and strengthen our souls to live a life that you desire, as Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, will you please stand as Kelly Ross leads us in the first song, Ring Out the Message. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sinner. Ring it out. Oh, 
what he did for us and the sacrifice that he made. Whereas each and every one of us have the opportunity to be able to live forever with him. We gather Please take your copy of the scripture and open to Matthew chapter 6 and read along with me. We'll be reading from verses 25 and following. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is it not is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add one single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field, how they grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When I began my career after school, I was coaching in Lubbock. And I was really good at worrying about stuff. I worried about whether or not we had the right personnel in place, whether or not they would follow out our blocking rules that we had scheduled for that week. Just incidental stuff, you know. Matter of fact, I was so good at worrying about stuff that I gave myself ulcers. I think you can ask either Suzanne or Danny. Coaches put a lot of pressure on themselves, unduly a lot of times, but, but we do. Anyway, that's when this became one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why worry? Why worry about all that stuff? Jesus has this. He's got this. As a matter of fact, at the end of Matthew, the last sentence, he tells us 
I will be with you always, even until the end of the earth. In Matthew 26, verses 27 and following, he says, Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many of the forgiveness of sins. Would you join me in prayer, please? Father God, you bless us so well. And the most important blessing of all is your sacrifice for your son on the cross that we might have a heavenly home with you in the end. He was able to once and for all forgive all of our sins. As we partake of this bread, Father, let us be mindful that it represents his body. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If anyone had a reason to worry, wouldn't it have been Jesus, knowing what he was facing, knowing that he was going to be betrayed by one of his disciples, knowing what a cruel ending he was facing? But he didn't worry. He knew God had control. He went to the cross without saying a word, nothing in protest. He knew he was going to fulfill his mission. Pray with me, please. Father in heaven, we are indeed thankful for this opportunity to share this fruit of the vine. And we remember, Father, that it represents the blood covenant that Jesus made for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Please help us to partake in a manner that's pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen.
The Bible also tells us that we should lay by in store so that we don't have to make preparations at the last minute. We are truly blessed people, and we have an opportunity to return some of those physical blessings, monetary blessings, to the church. We pray that we will do it in a manner that is cheerful and loving and giving. Pray with me, please. Gracious Father, as we have an opportunity to return some of the blessings that you give us, we pray that uh, they may be used for the best interest and purposes for this church and this congregation locally and worldwide. Please help us, Father, to give with a loving heart. In Christ's name, amen. wonderful to see such a great crowd gathered. We have folks online that are joining us today. We have a lot of folks that are here today, a wonderful crowd gathered here in the middle of the summer. I think it's because we've had such cool weather this month that it's brought everyone out and they're really looking forward to being together and spending uh, a lot of time together. Joyce and I are especially blessed uh, this week. As many of you know, we have our four grandchildren uh, with us, Sam, uh, Isaac, Ella May, and Will. And so I hope that you get to meet him. <clears throat> you will not find uh, be- more beautiful, more intelligent, uh, more fun, uh, better behaved <clears throat> um, children uh, anywhere, at, at, at least when their gammy gets back from taking Will to blast. So um, it is wonderful to have uh, everyone here, it is especially meaningful to Papa uh, to have our grandkids here with us this week. <clears throat> Since 1973, one issue has been especially polarizing, and that issue, of course, is what? Abortion. Abortion. I think if you were going to write a... Um, uh, Fill in that blank on your own of the one issue that's been the most polarizing. You might have a different one, and you very well uh, could make a strong case for that. 
might actually be uh, correct. But one, certainly one of the ones that has been especially polarizing is abortion. And it's been that way since uh, uh, Roe v. Wade was passed uh, in 1973, legalizing abortion at any time for any reason uh, during uh, a woman's pregnancy. A few figures. The Guttmacher Institute's latest figure, which is for 2019, said that 916,460 children's lives were taken in abortion here in this country that year, 2019. The CDC figures are always smaller because the CDC doesn't uh, take into account certain other states that don't report in a few other conditions. Somewhere around 65 million abortions have occurred in the United States since 1973. And we think of that as a horrendous number. But I think it's good for us to also think of that as uh, a horrendous loss of life and potential and leadership and service that could have been for this country and for our world by those babies who did not survive their mother's pregnancy because of a choice that their mother and perhaps their father and others made. The deeper issue, of course, is the more basic question, and that is this. Not are you against abortion? There's even a more basic question than that. The basic question is the title of this sermon, Do You Value Life? Do you value life? It's one thing to say, well, I'm against abortion. It's quite another thing to say, I value life, all life. The life of that child in the womb, absolutely. The life of the mother that's carrying her, absolutely. The life of the elderly person that some think is no longer worthy of living in society, the life of the disabled child or adult, the life of the poor. Do you value life? Life is sacred to us because life is sacred to God. (laughs) You say, Bill, it can't really be that simple. It is that simple. It is that simple. The reason we value life is because God values life. Valued it enough to create us. Valued it enough to send his son to save us. Valued it enough to give us the church to help us throughout life's ups and downs. We see it starting in creation in Genesis as God created man and God created woman in his own image. In his own image. We'll talk about sexual morality next Sunday as we get to the next of our commandments. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Today we're speaking of life and valuing life. When Jesus comes on the scene, John 1 introduces us to him even before Genesis 1. John 1 starts at a time before Genesis 1. Genesis 1, as you know, starts out in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, including humanity, including man and woman in his very image, all men, all women that way. But John 1 begins even sooner than that. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was active in creation, and the Word was the revelation revealed to us light and life, life. And that word became flesh and lived for a while among us, John 1, 14 says. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Life is sacred to us because life is sacred to God. And so we value life. The first four of the Ten Commandments were vertical, addressing our direct obedience to God. You shall have no other gods before me, for example. 
the last six commandments address our indirect obedience to God, focusing on our actions toward other people, loving our neighbor as ourselves. If you want to divide the Ten Commandments into two great sections, the first four have to do with Jesus' great commandment to love the Lord your God. The last six, more of them than the first actually, have to do with his second great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Today we talk about valuing life, which is obviously something that indirectly honors God and respects his word, but directly loves our neighbor as ourselves. Whatever their circumstances, whatever their conditions. Last week we spoke of honoring your father and your mother, as Scripture tells us, and called on each of us to treat all in authority with respect. With the title, Is Respect Just a Great Aretha Song? Commandment number six is this. Hold all human life sacred. Hold all human life sacred. Exodus 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. The question this commandment asks is, do you value life? It does not ask the question, have you ever physically killed anyone? (laughs) For almost all of us, that would be a much easier question. We have known, Joyce and I have, individuals who have ended someone's life actually served time for murder. But for the most part, we would answer no. But it's a deeper question than that. The question is, do you value life? And so a few things about this commandment number six, hold all human life sacred. First of all, what this commandment does not forbid... (laughs) We have to talk a little bit about what it doesn't include and doesn't apply to in a direct, specific, all-encompassing way. And the first is the obvious one. Uh, I mentioned the NIV translation, you shall not uh, murder. The traditional translation of that is what? You shall not kill. Well, I think that's a little bit unclear. And so we have to contrast murder versus kill, first of all, because all killing is not condemned. How do you know that, Bill? Well, do you know what the punishment for breaking this commandment is? It's to be put to death. (laughs) So I realize just from a logic perspective, it can't mean all killing because to break the command... gives the society permission to take your life. So if you have killed someone, then the society has the uh, uh, blessing, some would say under the law, the commandment to kill, to take life for life, limb for limb. So whatever this means, it can't mean that. can't mean that. So let's talk about a few things that it doesn't forbid, and that may help us get to where we can apply it in a positive way. First of all, what this commandment does not forbid, it does not forbid accidental or justifiable homicide. We understand that, right? We still have laws today in 21st century America that acknowledge that. There are laws that will allow someone to take someone else's life if their own life is in danger, if they are acting in self-defense. If someone takes another person's life and it is completely unintentional by accident, we understand that they would not be guilty of premeditated murder as someone who committed that crime would be. And the Old Testament acknowledges those things. Secondly, what this commandment does not forbid is police and other law enforcement. Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 and other passages in Old and New Testament speak of how important law enforcement and the civil authorities are in a community. Without our police and sheriff's department and other law enforcement, where would we be? It would be anarchy. It would be above and without control. And so this commandment does not forbid the actions of police and law and other law enforcement. And so we support them. We encourage them. We pray for them. 
I don't know about you, but whenever I see a, a, a police car and I'm driving and they're beside me or they're in my rear view mirror, like all of you, and I'll say it out loud, the first thing I do is take a look at my speedometer. <laughs> okay, we know that. But the second thing I do is offer a prayer. Thanking God for that person and for that department and for that protection. Asking God to bless them. And not just them, though, the ones who are waiting at home, who kissed them goodbye that morning or that night with a prayer that they would come home safely. We cannot begin to understand the sacrifices of the families of those who are involved in police and other law enforcement, and we appreciate them and we pray for them. Thirdly, what this commandment does not forbid is capital punishment. There may be other reasons for not believing in capital punishment. I think there are significant reasons for that, personally. But this commandment does not preclude that. There may be other reasons for not believing in capital punishment, but this particular law does not forbid it. For the Old Testament, again, called for the death penalty for several sins, including premeditated murder, kidnapping, breaking the Sabbath, even dishonoring your parents, according to Exodus 21. Paul, in a hearing himself on trial in Acts 25, before the Roman governor Festus, affirmed that if he had done anything deserving of death, he would accept that. So we understand that this law, in and of itself, again, there are other considerations, but this law, in and of itself, does not... Uh, mean that capital punishment itself is wrong. And then lastly, justified war or serving as a soldier. Because if the previous one is right, then this one must be true also. If you can have police and law enforcement out there, then you can have a joint effort of police and law enforcement action that is protecting the nation. And in a sense, uh, protecting the world. Rubel Shelley writes, just as self-defense is justified for the individual against an attacker or a city's police force against a band of thieves, so may a nation defend itself against international murderers or thieves. Again, logically, that is certainly true. I can say a little caveat here is that it, um, it certainly does not condemn a conscientious objector. Joyce and I were born and raised in San Antonio, which is filled with Air Force bases. <laughs> uh, the church that we went to while we were in high school and served at in our first ministry was the Lackland Terrace Church of Christ. It was called that because that area was Lackland Terrace because we were five minutes away from Lackland Air Force Base, uh, Air Force Base. perhaps 10 minutes away from Kelly Air Force Base. Uh, on the other side of town was Randolph Air Force Base and Fort Sam Houston Army Post. It was filled with a military presence. And in our church at Lackland Terrace Church of Christ, this wonderful young adult man whose mother was a godly angel at our church, super very faithful in the midst of that community of faith, there was this young man who was a conscientious objector. And he didn't hold it against any of his brothers and sisters in that church. And there were a lot of them who served in military, who had taken up arms in previous wars, appreciated them, prayed for them, could not conscientiously do that himself. I think there's a lot more that I could say about that, but I won't. Nations and their leaders are called upon to maintain justice, order, and security for their citizens and for all. <clears throat> we live in a fallen world which is far removed from God's ideal and vision at creation. So pray for our leaders, our civil leaders, our church leaders, our world leaders, and for our servicemen and women and our law enforcement and all of their families. They have a tough, tough job. However, communities and nations are to hold elected officials, law enforcement officers, and military soldiers and their leaders accountable to be responsible in their actions. This doesn't give those who are taking up arms in defense of the community or the country carte blanche to do whatever they think is right. And that's why we have laws in our land that protect citizens and that help to establish that even law enforcement and military are subject to obey the law and to do what's right. 
Okay, enough about what this doesn't mean. Here's a few things that this means to keep this commandment. What does it mean to keep this commandment? What does it mean to value life? So first of all, obviously, is respect the life of others. Respect the life of others. And of course, that applies to murder, assault, or personal injury. And I would also include psychological attacks, emotional assault on someone. Scripture condemns that. This commandment condemns that. If we value life, that means we value the life of that person. And if we value the life of that person, then we will not seek to physically or emotionally assault them. Typically, that's done because of a control issue. Typically, that's done because one person has power, physical likely, over another person, and it doesn't make it right. In fact, it makes them more accountable to God because throughout Scripture, God condemns those who uh, were abusive of someone simply because they had the power over them. Jesus died on the cross to prove that that was not the way to go. Respect the life of others. Um, Secondly, this means abortion is condemned. There are lots of scripture passages on on your outline that talk about this. Of course, the most familiar one perhaps is Psalm 139 that talks about how we are so wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made that you knit me together in my mother's womb. There's value to life from conception. And abortion does not acknowledge that and abortion is a sin. In Genesis 1, we read that we are created in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 25, we read about two boys jostling and wrestling each other in their mother's womb because they were twins, Jacob and Esau. They had life. We read about Samson, we read about Isaiah, we read about Jeremiah, we read about the Apostle Paul, all saying, you called me from my mother's womb. Imagine if their mother had chosen to end their life before their birth. And I love the stories in Luke chapter 1 of of Mary being told by the angel that she would conceive and that it would be the Son of God. Emmanuel, God with us, because even though she had not had relations with anyone, she would still get pregnant, and that one would be the Son of God Himself. And then later on, when she goes and visits her her cousin, we think, of some sort, Elizabeth, who was an elderly lady, the opposite extreme, and she and her husband had been praying for a child all their lives and had never conceived, and now the angel comes to him and finds out that she's going to have a child, and The baby is going to be special and called to be a servant of God and a prophet of God from the womb. And while uh, John the Baptist is still in the womb, about to be born perhaps in a few months, and Mary is not long with child, but still with child in her, when she enters the room and she says her greeting, John the Baptist just jumps and leaps for joy in his mother's womb. Because he hears the voice of the one who would be the mother of the Savior. And yet there are some who would say that child can only live if the mother and the father choose for it to. Science increasingly affirms that life begins at conception. We talk about the pro-life generation. That's all you young adults and young people because you know, you know. My generation, we glorified and idolized sex. And again, more about that next week. But a part of that was being able to take the life of an unwanted child because of an unwanted pregnancy. And that is wrong. And you know it. You know it. The Supreme Court's ruling in the Dobbs case recently, overturning Roe v. Wade, turned the question back to the states. Didn't abolish it. Turned it back to the states. And so we celebrate this decision. Glad for it, absolutely. But our prayers and efforts continue. And we must recognize and acknowledge the difficulties that are involved here. The mother and her situation. The emotional and physical difficulty of carrying this baby 
through to an uncertain future. And why do we care about that? Because it is not just that we are against abortion, it's that we value life, mother and child. And we will not put her away and say, you need to be sure that you don't get an abortion, but good luck, God bless, on figuring out how to do it from here. That's wrong. And if we value life, we value hers as well. We must minister to and help those who choose life for their unborn child. A great ministry that does this is Christian Homes and Family Services. Our church has supported them in the past, and we still support them in some ways. And it is a wonderful, incredible ministry that helps mothers of unwanted pregnancies, that helps individual families adopt, and it's just a blessing to be associated with them by fostering children. We have several families here at West Turwin who are fostering now or have fostered in the past, and of course, adopting others. Christ offers forgiveness and healing for all who have sinned, and we We want to say that. I want to say that every time I preach against abortion, that there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. And that it is no worse and no better a sin than any other sin that Jesus died on that cross to save us from. As James told us about earlier, his blood was shed for you. His body was broken for you. And there is forgiveness and there is acceptance. Respect the life of others is what this commandment means. And another aspect of that is euthanasia. Just as abortion is wrong on one end, euthanasia is wrong on the other. Typically, you think of older people who are being helped to die. But it can be anyone. It can be any age. It can be young or old, depending on the circumstance and the situation. What is euthanasia? It is actively causing someone's death. And the fact that it's done medically doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it value life anymore because the life is still taken. And I do want us to make an important difference between intentionally and actively causing death versus passively permitting death. Hospice and palliative care Units like the one we have here in Tyler are amazing and incredible. And they offer a service that I'm not sure I could actually do to help people go through that very sacred, very glorious time at the end of their lives without a lot of pain. And that's so important. But that's different than bringing about their death. Some people may choose not to receive treatment. That's not the same. Not the same at all. Euthanasia is certainly condemned if we value life. Perhaps you've heard this quote before. Ever since I came across the story of Martin Niemöller, I've been haunted by it. He was a minister of a church in Germany in the 1930s. Eventually, he became one of the millions of victims arrested and killed in Hitler's concentration camps. But before he died, he wrote this. In Germany, they first came for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up, because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up, because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up, because I was a Protestant. And then they came for me. And by that time, no one was left to speak up. We must speak up. We must speak up. What does it mean to keep this commandment? Secondly, it means respect my life. (laughs) Respect my life. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God lives within us. And therefore, we should honor God with our bodies. And so deliberately, physically harming one's own body directly or even indirectly through neglect is a sin. It's wrong. And I will say that we have a wonderful gift in our society today, and that is the newly established 988. Just like you call 911 for emergencies, you can call 988, and it connects you directly to the suicide prevention uh, hotline and crisis hotline, 988. Typically at the top of the causes of death in America each year are diseases that are preventable, (laughs) 
Many of those deaths are preventable by a change of lifestyle and habits. In other words, eating right, exercise, no tobacco use, those kinds of things. By receiving consistent medical, medical care. And yes, men actually doing what the health professional says. <laughs> by managing stress more effectively and so forth. One study from 20 years ago said in 2000, well over a third of all deaths in the U.S., could be attributed to a limited number of largely preventable behaviors and exposures. A third. And that was 20 years ago. I respect the life of others. I respect my life. And then thirdly, I consider what I think of others. It's not just what I do. It's what I think, what I hold in my heart. Why would you say that, Bill? James led us to Matthew chapter 6 in one of Joyce's favorite passages of Scripture In the chapter before, in Matthew 5, Jesus begins that wonderful Sermon on the Mount. And he goes back to the law and he says, You've heard it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, I say to you, don't be angry at your brother or sister. Don't treat them with contempt. Don't say things that are derogatory to them or about them. Because when you do that, you have committed murder in your heart. And you are not valuing the life that you are degrading. And we might add, Jesus might have said, I died for that person. How dare you? How dare you think of them in such a way? So many other scripture passages that are there, such as 1 John 3, verse 15. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So I respect what I keep in my mind and in my heart concerning others, how I think about them, what I dwell on, what feelings I encourage myself to have, what feelings I seek to overcome and defeat. And I realize that these are things that our kids are going through and I feel for our young families. And I, I honestly can tell you, I'm not sure what to tell you about how to deal with this in a home of children and teenagers and young adults that are growing up with this, this lack of regard and value of life. But I can just say a few things. Number one, talk to them. Listen to them, first of all. Talk to them. Ask them what they're going through. Ask them when you see something on TV. Do you know somebody like that? And listen to them and then teach them. Teach them. Talk to them. Talk to them and talk to others. We have so many people here that can be great resources for you that have lived a life or may be living the same life you're living now. We have an incredible group of young adults here, single and families, and you need each other, and you have each other, and it's so wonderful to see. That was the biggest blessing for Joyce and me of all, to be able to be around other young couples and find out that their kids were just as stark, raven, mad as ours were. It was such a blessing. Such a blessing. And then talk to God, of course. You're already doing that. Probably already doing all of these things. So we close today, two, two statements. Because God values my life, I value the life of others. This is where we started, right? Why do we value life? We value life because God does. And he valued my life. Because God values my life, I value the life of others. And then secondly, because God values my life, he sent his son to give his life for me. And that makes you special. That makes you important. That makes you significant. And you may not find anywhere else in the world that's encouraging you to have a high self-esteem, to feel significant, to feel loved, to feel like you have value. You have value in the eyes of God because he created you in his very image. And because he sent his son to die for you. You could not be more important. This morning, if we can help you value life, come as we stand, sing our song together. And we walk with the Lord in the light of his word.
appreciate them. Well, no, much I appreciate them. Look out and seeing all the bright, shining, smiling faces and all the people that just enjoy being here and being a part of the Lord on this beautiful day. So, and James, I want to say one thing. I don't have you as a coach, but I had you as a teacher. And you did a phenomenal job. You're one of my favorite teachers of all time. So, job well done. <laughs> Let's close with this world is not my home. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures lay laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels say to me, I'm heaven's open door. And I can't give a home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know, I have no friend like you. service to a close. We thank you for this time that we can lift up our voices in song and prayer to praise you and to glorify you. We thank you for the lesson that Bill shared with us. And we thank you for the encouragement that we received from being with our brothers and sisters. Lord, I <clears throat> thank you for the love and the mercy and grace that you show us each day. And Lord, I pray that as we go our ways that we will also show love mercy and grace to those with whom we cross paths. Lord, we thank you for your son and the sacrifice that he made for each one of us. And I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.